Hello, and a massive welcome to the 7500 to Holt Holtcast. As per usual, I'm James Rush, and I'm here today to bring you episode 131. Now, once again, I'm joined by that man over there, Danny Raza. How are you getting on, mate? Yeah, doing well. Another good weekend for Aston Villa. Uh, gotta say that I'm enjoying the way we're playing right now. That is now six on the trot. Yeah, man, we enjoyed yesterday, obviously, for a number of reasons. Uh, went out, met up before the match, uh, went down, sat in the Holt end, and saw a pretty... Not the most convincing win of all time, but a win nonetheless, mate. Six wins in a row. How did you feel about that game? Uh, I thought the first goal was undeserved. Thought, um... <laughs> of course, of course. A little uh, salty bit of social media from Burton Albion. Uh, really a small club mentality there. Yeah, just to, yeah, just to, just to, just to clarify, that's just a little bit of tongue-in-cheek. Um, Burton Albion Twitter said that our first goal was undeserved and that, you know, obviously we tried to make it come across as though we, we weren't really... We weren't really in control of that game, but in, in all honesty, I, I know James. You say that it was it was quite not the most convincing win. Uh, I thought we did well. I thought in in all seriousness, Burton when they did score the goals, they were kind of like you know uh, they were the kind of goals which which were obvious consolations that were conceded by a team who were well in control. Uh, and I thought it was a pretty convincing performance considering how well we attacked for uh, the most part of that game. Of course, Burton Albion wasn't the first match this week. We did have two. It was Sheffield United, actually, who we somehow managed to beat midweek. Not a lot happened in that match. Of course, we had another kind of resolute performance from Bjerkir Bjarnason in the uh, centre of the midfield as that defensive role. He's doing really well there. But um, Villa couldn't get it done against Sheffield United, except that that one bit of magic, mate, and it really was a bit of magic from Robert Snodgrass. I was seconds away from turning the game off. I thought, it's injury time, mate. I've not seen any convincing display from Villa so far. It's it's a match settled for a stalemate, and uh, that was some magic from him, absolute magic. Yeah, I thought Sheffield United were very very solid. They they, they lined up with a very awkward formation that three five two. It meant that we we basically had a lot to contend with in midfield. It was so tightly packed that we found it difficult to get it to our forward. Um, obviously Scott Hogan being up top on his own, and when we did get it to him, it was there were three defenders over there. So it was always going to be hard. But in, at the same time, I didn't think Sheffield United were particularly convincing against us. Uh, going forward, I mean, having said that, I thought Sam Johnston was 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 man of the match. But yeah, I mean, it was it was it was a win. I wouldn't say that was undeserved. Oh no, it wasn't completely undeserved. I think we're heading for a nil nil, weren't we? And uh, Sheffield United, very unlucky not to score, mate. They did rattle the bar. And uh, if Sam Johnston weren't our keeper, if we had a lesser a lesser goalkeeper than the quality Sam Johnston's provided, maybe would have we wouldn't have been unlucky to go behind. You know what I mean? You know, we were having this chat yesterday, also at Villa Park. You know. We, we we talk about Sam Johnston saving our asses in a lot of games, and obviously uh, we end up having clean sheets, which which mean that we we can win a game one nil or or two nil or whatever. Um, but we talk about goalkeepers; it, that's their job, isn't it? It is their job to, to to save the shots that they're not meant to be saving. Of course, do, do you know what I mean? Uh, like you, you do get you do get goalkeepers, obviously, who who will kind of let everything go in but they're, they're kind of like second choice goalkeepers aren't they uh, the goalkeepers who stand out or the goalkeepers who are you know starting for their sides will pull out those saves um and and I thought you know we, we weren't under the cost so much from Sheffield United that it was uh you know incredibly amazing the fact that uh, that we'd stuck in the game no I'm really I'm really glad how it went down I think sometimes you've got to steal the win haven't you sometimes you need a bit of magic to just get those three points and go home fantastic performance at the end from Villa to hold on to that one you know that one goal lead I know it was late on but Sheffield United chucked everything in the kitchen sink at us and uh, if we didn't have Sam Johnson maybe we'll be looking at a different result but the fact is we do we have the three points and uh, it's that man Snoddy again with a majestic goal more on that goal mate yeah once again it, it, was, it was it was very much like every single assist or goal he seems to be scoring nowadays he's, he's coming from the right hand side he's uh, tricked the defender just a little bit cut in just very very simply uh, yeah. I mean, just cut in and, and and swung it in on his left peg, which just seems to seems to be incredibly accurate nowadays. And it's it's just it just makes it look easy, doesn't he? We've said this before. Doesn't have an awful lot of pace, but he's got skill. Uh, he, he knows what he's doing to the ball. Almost seems stuck to his feet. And yeah, I, th- I just think that that technically the he's second to none to, uh, for anybody Aston Villa. I mean, when you look at free kick takers. You look at uh, look at the the player who's most talented when it comes to set pieces, crosses. ETC, ETC. It's Snodgrass, isn't it? Of course, um, he had a bit of trouble at the start. He wasn't really gelling. Every free- He's a master free kick taker. I've got friends who support Hall City. 
you know, he banged, he banged in the set pieces for them. And he doesn't seem to get one over the wall for us at the moment. You know, it, it, it always seems to hit the wall. And he had a, and he, he had his doubters. I think I was one of them. You know, he didn't track back, I think. But that was a problem the whole squad has. We have issues that the whole squad seems to have. But we, again, we will focus on one single player. We'll say, hey, Jolie and Lescott was terrible. And while that's true, the entire squad was terrible, mate, in those times when Jack Grealish isn't tracking back. The whole squad isn't tracking back. You know, the, the issues we have as a team, we focus on one single player who has them. Snodgrass has got it. The team spirit is there. It shows most in that man, Robert Snodgrass. And uh, he won the game for us. It was Sam Johnson saved the game for us. It was Robert Snodgrass who won the game for us. Uh, we head from Sheffield United with three points, mate. And we go into a match with Burton. Um, I think we all went to the stadium and I was joked about it. I said, uh, you know, we're going to win 10-0. We all went into the stadium predicting a very easy win. And it probably wasn't the most easiest win. You know, it wasn't the most simplest game of all time, was it? We're talking Burton now. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I said it was going to be 4 0. Uh, I hadn't realised inadvertently that the last match that we did play them in, we did actually beat them 4 0. I think you rightly said, was it Leander Bakuna's last game for us, was it? Uh, it wasn't his last game. I think it was his last goal for us. Last goal, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I mean, then yeah, I mean, it, it, it was something where we did expect Burton to, Burton to crumble. But if, if I'm totally honest, we, we looked all over them for the full game. We we did look the better side all the way through. Yeah, they had a couple of spells in the second half when they were chasing. But we, we for the most part of that game, did dominate. But having said that, I thought Burton did a very good uh, did a very good job of, of keeping us tight. And, you know, they played the offside trap very well. Even if there were a few questionable decisions, they, their defenders were moving as a unit. And I was very impressed with uh, with their left back out there as well. Yeah, I mean, you said a lot to me when we were sitting down watching the match and uh, getting into it. There was a lot of highlights in that match to be for such a... It was a stodgy match, wasn't it? It was that definition of the teams almost kicking two lumps out of each other. Villa were getting into... They had a lot of fluid play, mate. We'll get onto that because there's two fantastic moments of absolutely, completely fluid, brilliant play between our players. But between that, it was a, a bit of like and lump it, kick it to Hogan, let him do the run, especially Almo, who we'll, we'll come on to that as well. A bit of lump, like it and lump it play. Um, a few few choice tackles and uh, the referee wasn't the best, was he? Oh, mate. Well, I don't know. I think it was just kind of like pulling decisions out of a hat for the full game, wasn't it? I don't like criticising referees. Uh, but I, I always find it funny how a linesman... Now, I, I, it's not my job, right? I've never done it before, so I shouldn't really be passing judgment. Isn't it surely just a linesman's job to just look straight? I don't understand how you can make wrong decisions. That confused me quite a bit. There was also a lot of times during that game where uh, where Burton Albion you know, went to the floor fairly easy and, and there was a lot of easy... There was a lot of... Uh, a lot of easy free kicks being given to him. Um, and it didn't really give the game the kind of uh, free-moving time we, we would have liked, to be honest. And I think, if I remember correctly, it, it did end up resulting in like five minutes of added time by the end of the game as well. It just gives you an idea of how many stoppages there were. And you don't need that, especially when it is rainy and such a, you know, such a stodgy sort of uh, atmosphere to start with. Um, but it, it didn't it didn't help the game whatsoever. It was it was difficult because there was a lot of stoppage as well. I mean, a lot of people say the reason they don't like video referee or VAR or VAR is because it stops play. But there were sections of play where it stopped for three or four minutes while the players complained to the ref on either side. Um, he seemed to throw a lot of decisions Burton's way. But you know, there was sometimes when a Villa player could commit a clear foul, mate, and uh, it wouldn't go Burton's way. And biggest foul, we'll get, we'll skip ahead a little bit before coming back to the goals. The biggest foul I saw was when um, Anima and Grealish combined for an excellent piece of play down the left-hand side. Um, this is a, a snippet I've cut from the match and put on uh, the 7500 to Holt website, so do watch it. It's, fant- it's probably one of the best pieces of play that Villa have, have made. You know, we've we've really been lucky to enjoy some excellent plays over the last few weeks, mate. But Grealish and Anima combined for some superb one-touch football Onoma made three passes with three touches, mate. It was really incredible to see him link up like that. Grealish gets the ball in the box, and as he looks to pass it back to Onoma, he's just tripped over by a clear leg swung at him, and uh, we didn't get the foul for that. But Grealish was booked for uh, diving in the box. It was a clear penalty. It's it's Stonewall. I tell you what, I'm gonna. I'm literally. I'm, I'm on the 7500 whole Twitter right now. I'm gonna actually watch this video three because I I haven't actually seen 
um the close of it. no i i saw it from the other side it was it was at the north stand whilst we were at the whilst we were at the whole stand weren't we? of course yeah the side the sides did switch in there but yeah uh get into that mate because i think it is it's it's left about a 20 second section of footage and it is a clear foul at the end it's absolutely clear to me where do i find this james uh front page mate go on the website front page right that is so we might as well might as well put in a, a cheap uh a cheap advertisement website james what's this yeah, of course. Well, that's what that's what we're here for, mate. Just to uh, just to plug the website. But yeah, and um, before the the podcast, I thought I'd take some time to break down that little segment of play. I can actually send you the direct link to the footage if you want, mate. It's okay. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Right. I'll I'll, I'll I'll get it up at some point during the podcast. From what I saw, it was a clear leg. Uh, it was a clear leg sweep, and I it, it did confuse me because it almost seemed like he were the referee was trying to make some sort of a point. Because I don't think I've ever seen a game where two players have been booked for diving. The Burton Albion dive, that was that was Stonewall. That was that would that 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 should have been a booking, and I'm glad that was a clear dive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they, they they weren't in the game, and they decided they were going to throw themselves to the floor. The Grealish one, on the other hand, confused me big time. I, I did not understand what the referee's logic was. Well, I can say that I am watching it now. I've watched it. It's on a loop, and it's a clear trip, mate. Um, I mean, you you. There's no zoomed in footage. There's no zoomed in footage that I can see because we we lack the Sky Sports cameras. Of course, it was filmed by the Villa crew. You know, we don't have 25 cameras there capturing every angle. But from what I can see, he's tripped in the box and that's a clear penalty and that's something that the video ref would give you. And um, the game is stopped because Grealish and the Villa players are moaning at the ref. Where's the foul? Where's the penalty? You know, video ref can tell him straight away or within five seconds of that, surely. Right, I'm watching... I am watching it now, right? Yeah, it's that link up. Grealish Anonymous, somehow or another, they know how to read themselves. Obviously, they've been in the under 21 setup together. And yeah, no, it was a clear trip. Clear trip. Clear uh, and I think it is worth just mentioning, obviously, that, that him and Onoma, if I remember correctly, during the summer, they were in that tournament. Is it Toulouse, the Toulouse International? Uh, that's Toulon. Toulon tournament. Yeah. Toulon, yeah. right. Okay. Toulon, those two were ripping it apart for England. And. When we were having this conversation where I was borderline thinking you were crazy to some to some extent, uh, where we were talking about Grealish for England, uh, when you talk about the England under-21 setup and you talk about the, the players that stand out for them, Grealish and Onum are two of the standouts. They're, they're two of the standouts. And the, the issue is, you need to bring these players through because look what happens when they've been playing in the setup for the... How, you know, Greenish obviously was with an Ireland youth set up before he switched to England. That's all well and good. But these players have played together and they play together to fantastic success. You can't just be picking randomers from the Premier League who have never been in the setup, never enjoyed chemistry. It's like inserting Mark Noble into a current team with Deli Alley. It, it works eventually, maybe, but you can't just pick random players who are playing good in the Premier League. That's not, you know, you don't have a mandate to just do that anymore. That's something that the England team has suffered of. If you get players with chemistry, it's all good, mate. And we saw that. Jack Grealish. Mate, he's been fantastic over the past few weeks and he, he capped it off with a goal. But let's rewind. We've got three goals to talk about. First one, another excellent piece of play, mate. It was uh, Scott Hogan who eventually buried it, if I remember correctly. But that come from every single player combined so well to uh, unlock the goal for Hogan, who was onside, by the way. A lot of people have said the goal was offside. But if you pass behind yourself, it's not offside. It's onside. That's a, that's a rule. Um, Albert Adoma got the ball after a fantastic Snodgrass pass. Um, he had every right to take that shot on, but he passed it across the box to our man, Scott Hogan, who uh, put the ball in the net legitimately this time. First time he put it in, it was offside. But uh, Adoma passes uh, across the face of goal behind himself to uh, Scott Hogan, who can just bury it. Um, 1-0 Villa, mate. And that's another, you know, that's a team combining. I, I enjoy it more when two players combine. But when the team finds a way to unlock stuff, it certainly is special. Yeah, I wonder what Jonathan Codger would have done in that situation with uh, Albert Adoma um, over there. I mean, it was it was it was it was good that Adoma did basically square it. It's what you call one of them. What 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 is it you call it on FIFA when somebody sweaty goal? Yeah, it was very sweaty, wasn't it? It was very sweaty. One on one with the goalkeeper, Adoma. Well, actually, it was two on one with the goalkeeper. He could he had every right to just to just tap that one in with his left foot. Uh, he could he could have easily could have easily finished it from there. But Hogan, he was looking for a goal all game. I swear he had like two goals disallowed. Or something like that uh, to start with, and he was all he was always you know eyeing it up. He was he was looking for one all game, and I'm, and I'm glad he managed to get one over there. Um, it's, it's one thing we said about Scott Hogan, you know, at the start of the season um, when he missed that sitter, where the goal was open, he tried to tap it in. No, no, that wasn't it. He was in front of the goal, wasn't he? It was pretty much in front of the goal. Blocked it out when a player was uh, was, was 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 trying to shoot. 
Oh yeah, when uh, Hurahan volleyed it in against Middlesbrough, and he was on the line. I think it, that was the, the footage is cruel to him because it, it's faster in real life. It's faster when you're watching it. It's much faster than it appears on the video. No, absolutely. However, he shouldn't be on the line, should he? But that being said, I seen it in person. You're like he could have not. It absolutely no. He shouldn't have been in that position. But he couldn't have moved away. No, from but it. the point is, the point is, as an attacker, Scott Hogan is always in the vital uh, in the vital area to put the ball in the back of the net. His positioning is fa- is fantastic, isn't it? Any other any other bounce in, in in that situation, right? He would have been in there to basically nail it, right? Hogan is is iron up goals all the time, and it is tremendous to see from a striker. Uh, and and I thought that all game he was he was helping out with the uh, with the opportunities that were being created with Snodgrass and Anadoma and those three just link up too well yes it's brilliant it is brilliant to see um the whole squad kind of gelling and i think that is massive credit to Steve Bruce might while he might not be the best adapter or the best tactical coach he's letting his coaches getting on on with their job and he's building a real team at Aston Villa and i am you know i can't be happy more you know it looked like he was on the way out when he was getting booed off against Brentford and somehow it's it's completely turned around and i'm really happy for that do you know what? There's so much creativity in that team. When you look at it, when you look at that lineup, right? You, your first inclination, if you don't know the players too well, is to look at that and say, "Oh, there's one striker and one defensive midfielder." That's very defensive. But I look at that and I think we've got four playmakers in that midfield. Then arguably you've got a deep line playmaker and Bjarnason who knows how to pick out a pass. He did it a couple of times during the game. Obviously, primarily there defensively, but you've got four playmakers in that midfield. That is an awful lot of creativity. And it, and it was clear yesterday against Burton because we, it, it's almost as though we can create a chance from anywhere on the pitch. Left-hand side, through the middle, or on the right-hand side through Robert Snodgrass. And I think that's unprecedented. I haven't seen uh, Villa have such a creative midfield for years. No, it's, it is extremely enjoyable to watch what Aston Villa are doing, especially um, how they're managing it. And you say we've got a deep-line playmaker we also have a ball-playing defender. Uh, a quick word on John Terry, playing out those passes from the back. I don't think I've seen him do stuff like that. That's Benucci. That's uh, prime Benucci uh, in Serie A for AC Milan. Leonardo Benucci, the best ball-playing defender in the world. John Terry, he's got a bit of spice in those uh, long balls from the back, mate. Real, real defence cutters. That's his quality, though, isn't it? That's his quality. You've got to remember that John Terry, uh, at his peak, probably... You know what, right? You can go ahead and say this kind of thing as well, but people might might look at you crazy, kind of go, "What, what, what?" He's at the same standard as as the best centre backs in the world. He 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 could have been at one point in with a shout of being called the best centre back in the world. I don't know if you did, if you agree with me there or not, but there, there there was there was a time period where where you could have called him that. So that that standard it doesn't surprise me whatsoever. When you put a player like his uh, like John Terry in the team, yeah, he will put in defence splitting passes. There was a lot of times during the game. Some people might call it long ball. I call it smart. There was a lot of times while uh, during the game where John Terry lifted the ball over the top of the defense, tried to get uh, tried to get Scott Hogan through. It very much reminded me of Louis Van Gaal's Holland from the uh, 2010 World Cup. Um, that's uh, that's what it reminded me of. Totally honest, 2014 World Cup even. We say long ball, but what long ball is is a uh, is random punts to a, a sprinting player. And what I saw from Terry, especially, was uh, quite smart curling accurate passes they were they were measured it's a technique that he isn't appreciated for if his name was um leonardo Benucci, we'd be screaming in adulation at these passes but since he's john terry the patriot john terry with all the uh the terrible off the pitch issues he's had over the the, the, the recent number of years you know we, we don't appreciate the fact that, that he has got technique yeah and he's been england's best defender hasn't he for of the last decade too You've got to remember that. We say, oh, he's experienced, oh, he's level-headed, oh, he'll put in a crunching reducer, he uh, saves games. What we don't say is he will start an attack. He, he is intelligent. We don't appreciate those uh, those mental qualities and we don't appreciate the technique he has as well. Um, sometimes he suspects, I think every defender can be, he will rush rush the midfield. He will go up the pitch. We've seen Michael Richards do the same thing and uh, hassled him for it. However, we don't appreciate the technique Terry brings to the team. I think it's something that is very underrated. If he was a if he was a midfielder with a continental name, I think it would be something we'd look for. But since it's John Terry, it seems to be ignored almost. I don't know, man. I, I've, I've I've always thought that John Terry could could do it. I mean, it's, he's he's um he he was cap- captain of Chelsea. He's captain captain of a Champions League winning side. You know, he's he's he is that good. Um, and I, and I think that. Whilst 
we were handling things very well without him in the team. Uh, I think our, our defence looks that much better with him in there. And it just never looks like we're under any real pressure. And you just, you got, you, you do have to trust guys like John Terry when um, when you're playing in the championship. You have no excuse for, uh, for in fact, I'll go ahead and say you have no excuse for, for not being the, uh, the the lowest conceding side in the in the championship if uh, if you've got somebody like that in the side. What I will say though is uh we have seems to have an issue against Barnsley and against Burton where we have when we've conceded we've done it ourselves. We've we've let the team score or we've put the ball in the back of our, the net ourselves. Um it's a it's a, it's good to see that you know we have to make our, we have to make the goals for the other team. But it's still a worry that when we turn off the other team scores. And we, you know, it could be a second. Do you know, it's an important thing that you brought up there, James, because we, we were talking about this uh, in December when we weren't actually scoring goals. It was very much seen as a problem because we obviously we weren't getting the wins, we weren't scoring goals, and we, when we were conceding, we were conceding ones that you say, as you say, uh, goals that we just did to ourselves. It would be stuff like Glenn Whelan passing it back to a defender and then it getting intercepted. Uh, Al Mohamedy's goal, obviously, yesterday was was ridiculous. Like he had plenty of time on the ball. He almost half-arsely kicked that, just kind of thinking, yeah, we're two up. You know, what does it matter? Um, and then it ended up in the back of the net. Uh, we, 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 saw, um, we saw goals where we just weren't marking any players properly in the in the box. And it's, and it's usually down to the fact that um, we've we, we just shut down defensively. Now that John Terry's back, um, I think we're going to see less of that. I do think Bruce will have given the teams uh, a right rollicking after the game as well uh, for conceding two goals when when we we really shouldn't have um yeah we still won the game but we shouldn't have conceded twice uh but yeah it's it's a problem that we we can't ignore because if we're gonna win the uh, no we're not gonna win the league but you know if we're gonna get promoted we need to realize that there are going to be times where our attackers may not be able to dig in enough to get a goal it might just happen you know in a couple of games and we'll have to be prepared for the possibility that we'll have to keep a clean sheet to get anything out of a game yeah, so uh, Villa's second goal, mate. Let's move on to the goals. Villa's second goal, Albert Adoma, that man. He bagged a goal for the first time in a while. His form continues. So he's a uh, best haul of uh, league goals in his career. So he's uh, he's performing at Aston Villa, but it's been a while. He's had a bit of a tiny bit of a drought uh, since his last goal, mate. Um, however, he was he was able to get on the end of a snotty ball, a deep ball. He was waiting on the uh, far post, nodded it in past the keeper. Um, Villa two up. Uh, it came out of nowhere a bit, didn't it? It was a uh, it was a bit of a weird goal. I didn't really see it coming. I, I think I remember uh, saying, I think I remember actually like speaking to you whilst the whilst the that attack was happening, and I was just said, I just said, oh, there's no one in the box because it, it it seemed like the attack was being dragged out and had missed our chance. You know, it was off a counter attack, uh, but but lo and behold, uh, Snodgrass somehow. I think it was Snodgrass anyway. Yeah, um, it was. Yeah, it was Snodgrass somehow managed to pick out a domer at the far post and it. He'd uh, bundled it in, so I mean, fair play to him. And I, I think it's good as well that he's he's managed to get a goal for the first time in a while. And uh, I don't think it's to do with him, you know, having played badly over the last few games. I think almost the pressure's been taken off him a little bit now that Jack Grealish is in there, and now that Snodgrass is on form, Adoma isn't expected to do all the legwork. And I think you know, over the course of the season, that could be more of a positive. It doesn't matter that he's not banging him in as much as he was before, because uh, it's almost as though that work. Uh, that, that that workload is being spread over the uh, over the whole of the team. It's weird. It's weird because that is completely true. It's a good thing that Albert Adoma isn't scoring for us anymore because everyone else is. There was a big part of time where we were, we were perhaps winning games he maybe shouldn't have because Albert Adoma was doing all the legwork and the, the entire team just surrounded him. It centered on him for a, a short period of time and he picked up wins for us and uh, we're really. You know, we can't be more grateful for that now. We're actually playing really well and winning games we should be winning. Um, but yeah, he nodded in at the far post, mate. Did his dance, uh, got his goal. And I can't be more happy for him. He, he has deserved it. That's been coming. No, it's been coming. It's good for him to finally get off the mark again. Uh, he didn't want it to turn into a prolonged goal drought. Good that he's managed to get one. And uh, hopefully he manages to get some more over the next few games. But yeah, uh, we'll move on to the third goal, mate. Really special goal, especially when you consider how the match played out eventually, 3-2 in the end. Um, Jack Grealish getting his first goal of the season. Sweet volley off an Almo cross, Al Mohamedy, who had punted the ball into her own net uh, moments earlier to uh, give Burton their first goal of the game. Um, Jack Grealish on the end of an Al Mohamedy cross, uh, helped set up by on loan Axel Tuanzabi, who uh, he started, he came in at right back, uh, Alma pushed up the pitch, 
pretty solid performance from him. We'll get onto mm. him in a bit. Um, Almo, though, set up the goal, decent crossing, a cut across the box, and uh, Jack Grealish is there, mate, to uh, sweep it home. Get a goal, goal on his nan's birthday as well. He ran uh, up to her and celebrated in front of her. <laughs> so uh, that's really nice. But yeah, man, I can't be more pleased for him. He's really deserved it. He has been a really special player to watch. And I, you know, you need, if you are in Birmingham, you can go to a Villa match. You absolutely need to, just to see Jack Grealish do his thing. Because uh, who knows, you know, I hope this is just the start of something, but players can go off the boil. Get down now and see it while it's, you know, while it's live. It's Jack, it's the Jack Grealish show at Villa. Yeah, I think it's he needs to break out. He needs to break out soon enough. Uh, he's 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 done that thing. Well, it's not it's not in down to him, but obviously you do get players who stay almost in the lower leagues and off the off the mainstream attention uh, for a little bit longer than usual. Obviously, at about twenty three, Jack Grealish now. Uh, yeah, he's, it's almost reminded me of Will Hughes's career trajectory. Just stuck in there, just a little bit, getting the fundamentals right, just um, just a bit more. And uh, you know, hopefully, in the next few years or so, either with us. Hopefully, with us, obviously uh, going into the Premier League, he'll he'll be seen as a as a, as, as a much bigger player. Um, but uh, it could also be with a bigger team over the next few years. Uh, would not be surprised if that ends up happening. Uh, but Grealish is a real MVP, and he's 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 absolutely setting Villa Park alight. And it, it's good to see uh, such a quality, creative player in that uh, in that midfield. Because when you go to watch a football match, when you obviously turn up to see your team play. You don't go for the stodgy football. You don't go to see your team kind of uh, bundle away at a 1-1 or a 1-0 victory. Obviously, it's fine. A win's a win. Um, but, you know, it really adds something when you have creative players who who show you something different, really, and and, and do entertain you. And uh, Jack Grealish is that player. He's doing really well. He's uh, It is a Jack Grealish show. He, it's his stadium. We should just rename it, mate. Um, he's got the crowd on his feet. He's adored. He's loved. He's turned down. He's turned the critics' minds around. I know there's been a few vocal critics. When he come back against the Leeds match, people are just doubt. You know, there's a lot of doubt. And I, I get that. He hasn't really kicked on. Uh, he's really showing something, though, now. He's getting back, tracking balls, throwing in a few crunching tackles. He's all across the pitch. I've never seen. I said to you yesterday, I've never seen someone who has such an attacking role, do so much defensive work ever. Well, I don't think he's been told to before. I, I honestly don't think he's been told to. I think there's always like whispers that he'd play well in central midfield, but we've, we've got this midfield too of Hurahan and Grealish, which just should not work. Should not work. Obviously, Bjarnison allows for that to happen, but uh, he, he's, he's actually playing as a proper central midfielder, and I, and, I, and I really have to appreciate that. You know, when, when Conor Hurahan goes up, Grealish does stick back just a little bit more as well. And uh, he's not as weak as he used to be. That was always a problem with him. Yeah, I, I said to you, I think maybe the time away from the, the enforced time away from the pitch could have helped him reflect on things. I mean, what if he was told to not get involved with the defend the dirty work by previous managers? And it, it, it's a legit point. What if he was told to stay in that role, wait for the ball, and uh, do his thing? But he's really enjoying getting back. You now he's sometimes he's our furthest furthest player back, and that's a credit. That's an amazing credit to this young lad. Uh, 22 now, so he's really kicking, should be really kicking on with his career. And uh, if we go up to the Premier League, mate, he's, a, he's the man that we build it around. No question. I think I think it's testament to the culture of the club. And I think Steve Bruce, in all honesty, right, as much as people may uh, may have a go at him, uh, I think he's he's definitely helped bring in a more positive and a, a more work hard, uh, hardworking, sorry, um, culture at the club. Because what we've seen is we've seen players obviously dig in and try and earn their places in the team. We've seen players who have been out of the squad make their way back into the team through hard work uh, and good performances, and Bruce has rewarded them for it. And I think uh, what, what what we had before is we had a side who was seriously unfit. I think Steve Bruce, maybe even Di Matteo, was saying it before before as well before he got sacked. You know, d- did make comments about how unfit this side was, and we saw it as well because uh, players weren't pressing. You know, we, we would allow the opponent free time on the ball. It just wouldn't matter uh, until we kind of uh, jockey back and and eventually fall under pressure. And uh, and 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 it is to do with the the culture of the club because it's not just Jack Grealish who is is now going digging in and putting in tackles. It's it's a lot of the players. Uh, and and I, I do think something's gone on there um, over the last couple of years to to improve that. It's really good to see Villa doing so well. Um, we are really setting the championship a lot. I mean, <laughs> it comes to something when uh, we're the focus, in-focus team. You know, Wolves, all credit to them, playing brilliant football. They're setting the championship a lot. They're winning in style. They're going to finish with a record points tally if everything goes their way. But it's a, the Villa are the team everyone's focusing on. Villa are third. They're uh, a point 
out of second. <laughs> Why people are focusing on Villa because we're playing such good football and our Wolves are there. Out and the spotlight seems to have shifted from Wolves to Derby and Villa. And that's a real testament to both teams, man. It's going to be a crunching fixture when we play Derby. If they don't slip up, mate, it's all to play for in that game. However, we do have something to focus on, man. A massive game next week. It's the second City Derby, of course, on Sunday. Um, it's an early kickoff. So uh, if you're over the pond, get up early. Um, it's going to be on TV. So uh, get up early, get it on and uh, hopefully enjoy a Villa win. But second city derbies, mate, um, any derby game is a hard match. Um, tactics, plans, everything goes out of the window. Yeah, and an informed Birmingham side as well. So it's not like we're we're turning up, uh, turning up against a, a Birmingham team like the last one we faced, which was seriously out, uh, out of form. Uh, this is a Birmingham City side, which, you know, just beat Sheffield Wednesday 3-1. Albeit, I think Sheffield Wednesday did have two people sent off, uh, but uh, it's a win. <laughs> nonetheless they obviously beat Sunderland as well a couple of weeks ago as well this is going to be the toughest yet I honestly believe that because over the last few years when we've played Birmingham City we've always had the upper hand they've been playing poorly and we've been playing poorly but because we've had just that little bit more quality we've always just about managed to get a decent result out of it this time round though Birmingham City being in a positive mindset after a couple of wins trying to get out of that relegation zone and us you know obviously being 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 uh being a side who are playing very very well having won six in a row that is the perfect motivation for our rivals to come on upstairs especially considering we 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 didn't really keep our focus for the whole game at Burton it's not often you can say Birmingham City are doing well they aren't they they genuinely are a club that has done very little especially after sacking Gary Rowe after he was uh, interviewing with other clubs you know you have to give give that bit of credit they had almost every right to sack him after that they didn't have every right to hire Gianfranco Zola of course the unproven Gianfranco Zola but um, they had to sack Gary Rowe because he was you know he had his uh, feelers out for other clubs that being said mate they are they are winning games they are picking up points they are doing terrible when it comes to goal scoring they are believe the lowest scorers in the league with 22 goals in 30 games that is an atrocious atrocious run of goal scoring yeah but James they've scored six in their last two games and they they scored two games before that as well let's let's not get too uh fixed up on that yeah they haven't been great at goal scoring but over the last couple of games they've managed to bang a couple in yeah, the ceiling results out, mate. They are doing the hard work. I think it's very rare that we're going to give a team like Birmingham City any credit due to the bias that we have against them. But they are scoring crucial goals and they are holding out for results. Yeah, Sheffield Renzi got a few players sent off. Yeah, they were, you know, they're the, the disadvantage. But still, Birmingham pick, picking results up against Sunderland, Reading. They're tough games for them. You know, games against the bottom teams, they are. When I, when I look at the bottom six or so, Birmingham City, I'm saying they ain't getting relegated now, mate. They're doing too well not to get, to get relegated. When you've got teams like Hull, Sunderland, Burton and Reading who are just kicking themselves in the shins, begging, almost begging to go down for some reason. You've got teams like Birmingham and Bolton who are just turning up and turning it on. And why wouldn't they? You know, Birmingham City, uh, they, they, they've been getting kicked all season, haven't they, right? These are players who obviously want to be doing better. And let's be honest, right? Uh, and pe- people can hate all they want. I, I this, this, this podcast, right, is made for uh, saying things which uh, you know may be unpopular, but it's it's about it's about you know speaking speaking opinions and, and, and saying things right. I I think it's healthy for Aston Villa, for Birmingham City to be doing okay. Yeah, we want them below us, right? But it's healthy for us for them to be doing you know somewhat well. I don't want them to go down to League One. You know, it'd be best if they do stay in the Championship. And Birmingham City as a club, they they are ambitious. You know, say what you like, right? That club has been torn to pieces, right? They they went through quite a lot over the last few seasons. Um, it, you know, they, they obviously they, they had the last ownership, which was absolutely dreadful for them. This was a club, obviously, which once was doing um, was sticking it out in the Premier League for for you know uh, for years, and and obviously bringing in decent players. And now they've had to rebuild with a young team. They don't want to be where they are, and they shouldn't be where they are. So. I wouldn't be surprised if they do manage to get a late surge on this season. You know, I can't imagine Birmingham City being in League One. I, I get what you I completely agree with what you're saying, mate. Um, 
I have a fondness for the city of Birmingham, not Birmingham City Football Club, but the city of Birmingham. It's where I grew up. It's where the place I've enjoyed the best, some of the best moments of my life to, to date. And it's a, it's a place that doesn't get enough respect. And a large part to do with that is the fact that we, the city, does, the city itself, not the metropolitan area, but the city itself does not have a football club in the Premier League. West Brom, West Bromwich Albion, another team representing this area in the Premier League. And the closest team, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe the closest team is Stoke. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think I think the closest team to them in the Premier League. Uh, that you can't tell me that's good enough for this city. You can't tell me it's good enough for Birmingham City to be in League One and Aston Villa to be in the playoffs of the Championship. You can't tell me that's good enough for the city. Uh, West Bromwich Albion, of course, on the on the path to getting relegated. You that would be terrible for this city. I, I, I laugh at West Brom getting relegated after you know they've, they've made that for their own backs. Um, Wolverhampton representing this area as well. It's mad. It's it'll be madness. Uh, Villa, Villa, and Birmingham. Villa need to be in the Premier League. Birmingham probably need to be in the Premier League. Um, I don't want Birmingham to go down. I don't want them to suffer too much because you just want them there just to batter every every season, twice a season. Yeah, of course, of course. But yeah, you have to consider, mate. We've we've gotten the better results, you know, for the last five or six years. It's coming, man. You know, at some point, at some point, it's going to hit us, right? You can't keep playing a team and not get beat. And it's gonna it's gonna hit us hard whenever it does happen, but I, I hope it doesn't happen this weekend. And I I am confident that we're playing well. Um, but I, I think it's just worth saying that Birmingham City do have a couple of, of standout performers right now. You know, obviously Clifton get into it. Yeah, I, I will go ahead, man. Clifton Bell's obviously been been playing decently this season, right? But especially in the Sheffield Wednesday game, you know, Sam Gallagher gave them real trouble. Um, I thought he looked very good for Birmingham City. Obviously, a big forward, you know, incredibly tall, will cause our defence trouble, especially if Birmingham City do go the long the long ball route. Um, I believe he's on loan from Southampton. Uh, you've got. David Davis as well, who kind of played behind the striker against Sheffield Wednesday as well. Um, another player who, do you know what? I've always highly rated, right? You, you, you're going to hate me here for saying this, but if there was ever one central midfielder from Birmingham City over the last couple of seasons who I wouldn't have minded us going in for, it's David Davis, right? He's He is something else. And I don't think he's... Um, I don't think he should be playing at Birmingham City. I think he should be at a, bit, uh, he should be at a better club. Um, and then you've got Hotter as well, who scored twice in the last game. Um, terrific player obviously not- I can't believe Hotter is still in the championship I cannot believe that he's moved to Birmingham I don't know why he would decide to do that that's absurd to me that is genuinely one of the most absurd moves that A he was playing for Brentford for like three years B that he moved to Birmingham City yeah he should have he should, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure Premier League teams were interested in him as well that, that's that, that's the thing that confuses me. Like he he's he's always been a very good player. This is a guy who was uh, playing for Celta de Vigo a, a few years ago as well. He went out on loan, didn't he to 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 Ibar? But I'm not sure if Ibar were in um, were in La Liga or the second division. I think they were in the top in the, the La Liga, and um, because they, they are one of the, the highlights, is uh, Ibar managing to hold on somehow to their La Liga status. Um, so he it's like. It's weird. It's genuinely... I mean, Birmingham could have paid him a lot more money than Brentford, admittedly. And Birmingham were aiming to be in a better position than they were, admittedly. That's a good sell to a player like Hotter. But if, you know, if the Premier League teams are coming for me, if Everton, Watford, Bournemouth, teams like that are looking at me, I'm looking at them rather than Birmingham. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. But I think I think he would have been sold the dream, wouldn't he? Much like uh, a lot of players would have done. You know, Birmingham City had the city name in their, in their, uh, in their name, which uh, obviously... It was it was an issue that started a hundred years ago, which we're never going to forgive them for. But whatever, you know, they they can have the Birmingham name. Um, that that obviously does does help them. And I, I was I was in a conversation with somebody um, who I was totally like just holding my head in because you just don't say this to a Villa fan. Um, this guy was telling me that somebody who was involved with like marketing a lot. He said that if if he was to buy any club in in Birmingham, it would be Birmingham City just because it's easy to market. Um, and uh, I, I can understand why a player like like Hotter ends up there. It almost reminds you of uh, Rubinho uh, moving to Manchester City, thinking he was signing for Manchester United all those years ago. Yeah, a bit like a plastic bagger, Rubinho, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, um, we go, it's a it's going to be a difficult game for Villa. It, these games always are, and that's not necessarily because Birmingham are good or enjoying form. It's because it's a derby. It's because everything goes out the window, and like it's it's the crowds that win it. It's it's the action, it's the passion, it's the crowds that win it. Scrappy goals will yeah. be there. It's a perfect game for Gabriel Barnahor to come back, score a goal. That's on the cards. That always is on the cards. However, Birmingham, I'm enjoying 
a bit more of the good life. And uh, they head to an Aston Villa team at Villa Park. Um, probably, I believe they're still the most informed team in England. But that a bad result is coming against Birmingham City. I have to say, no matter what, you can't just beat up on a team for season after season. You know, it is a guarantee. It has been a guaranteed four or six points for us for the last number of seasons where we played them in two games. Of course, we got the League Cup win against them a few seasons ago. Um, when uh, Sherwood was a manager, they got the League Cup win back in 2010 or 11 when there was that kind of mini riot on and off the pitch between the fans. Yeah, I remember that. That's, that's the last time they won, mate. Of course, you live next to them, don't you? Yeah, I live in Small East. Yeah. Should I be giving away my, 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 my area on the podcast? I'm not necessarily giving away your area, mate, but you experienced <laughs> that first time. I don't know. I mean, I wasn't I, like it, I wasn't there at the time. I mean, I remember watching it on TV and just thinking, geez, man. What, what, who picks up seats at a football ground and starts throwing it across the pitch? What, what is the actual point? It's as if St. Andrews needs any more harm being done to it. Um, but <laughs> so I'm getting, I'm getting, to, I'm getting too into it now. Um, I think, I, th- I, I, I think that, you know, Birmingham City and Aston Villa, I think that we understand each other a little bit more now after we've both as clubs had a lot of, um, issues over the years. And I think the rivalry is just about to get a little bit more heated again. I didn't feel the same heat for the last few seasons, but something about to, uh, about next week just feels very, very, um, I don't know, something's di- something different in the air, isn't it? Because we're playing well now and suddenly it would be much more of an achievement for them to beat us. Do you get me? Oh, of course. You know, it's ours to lose. Yeah. You know, it, it wouldn't have felt so big for them to beat on us before um but now yeah they'd, they'd love it wouldn't they um what i have to say is i get, you know there's a lot said about the phrase season ending or season defining loss or win if filler lose cardiff pick up points fulham pick up points bristol pick up points derby and Wolves win I, that almost feels like a season ender to me that feels so deflating do you know what? it's on a knife edge though isn't it because we keep on winning but so does everybody else now there has to be a point in which derby and uh, Derby and Cardiff slip up. It has to happen at some point. But until then, we have to keep our focus. If we don't get a great result against Birmingham City, I'm not going to, you know, it's not going to be the end of the world. You know, if uh, if, we're, if we were going to slip up, it was going to happen here. We've done everything right so far. You know, to to get six wins in seven, it's perfectly fine. It's all about whether or not we, we pick pick ourselves up. But enough about that, right? I think that if we go into this game and we play like we did um, over the last few games, we should be perfectly fine. The only thing to watch out for is Birmingham City will be on the front foot. Our defence have to be alert. They have some powerful players, Birmingham City. Of course, and they'll be up for it. They'll be completely up for it. Yeah, man. I mean, look, Magoma, Davis, Gallagher. How do you defend against that? That is a really good attack. Well, thankfully, um, we have John Terry. This is the best defence we've had in a while at Villa. So uh, I'm feeling confident about our defence. What I'm not feeling confident, mate, is the fact that Villa haven't really faced a team that have gone for their jugular in the last few games. Yeah, Bristol City did it uh, around half-time and it led to their own demise. But if a, Villa, a team come out and really go for Villa, I'm scared about what will happen because teams have been far too willing to stand off Villa and sit back. If a team comes for us, what happens? Do we manage to get a goal on the break and smash them like we did against Bristol City? Or did I pressure us enough to, to score and do what's in? Because we don't really tend to react well when we go a goal down. Well, that's what we've got to hope for, isn't it? That's what we've got to hope for. Now, I, I don't know if Birmingham will be able to run through us. I don't think that's what they can uh, what they can do. What I'd be worried about is when it comes to the corners, do we trust Aston Villa from set pieces? In the last game against Burton Albion, we didn't give away that many corners, but when we did, Al Mohamedy looked very, very shaky and then ended up conceding an own goal. Sam Johnston, very good in the air. We've got a two-meter tall striker to, to defend against. Sam Gallagher's a good player. They've got him in from Southampton and he's he's doing the work for Birmingham right now. He he is playing very well. I think it's the set pieces we have to worry about. You can see, like, obviously, David Davis as well being tall as well. Uh, he, he could get one in. I think... What's important is we need to control that midfield, especially when they have Ndoye and, and, and Clifton Bell um, holding in there. I still don't know how they managed to sign Ndoye, but they did. Um, but it, it's it's going to be important to hold that midfield. I'm not sure if we should play in the same way that we have done over the last couple of games in terms of, in terms of our lineup. But then at the same time, I feel like I don't want to upset that. Well, I want to hear from you. 
My key man for this game is Birkir Bjarnason. Who is your key man? Who is the man that's going to win or save this game for Aston Villa? Mate, it's it, like it's. It, I, I I get what you're saying, Bjarnason. I totally get it because if it, if we're playing in the same formation, he is he will be key in picking off Davis, right? And he will be key in in battling in that midfield, right? I think potentially though, we're gonna have to say, listen, Connor. Or, or or listen, Jack. You know, I, I can't, we can't even dra- drop Jack Grealish. I think we'd have to drop one of those midfielders though, and say, look, we we need to get in Jedinak. And I would say that we we need to protect ourselves just a little bit more, um, just so we have a little bit more bite because there, there's going to be a fight in that midfield. And I'm not sure um, who Rahan Grealish and Bjarnason are going to be are going to be equipped for it. So I get what you're saying, Bjarnason. Personally. I think our key man in that game is going to have to be Jack Grealish. We're going to be relying on him on creativity and he has to not crumble. In fact, Grealish and Snodgrass, the two of them, um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at them both. Our attacking players are going to need to be able to play with some sort of freedom and be able to deal with with whatever defence Birmingham come up with because it's going to be tight and it is going to be very, very difficult for any of them to, to make it through. Um, so that, that's what I'm going to go with. That's completely acceptable, man. Um, plans, the usual tactics, the usual suspects, they all go out the window. When uh, the Derby team comes to when the when the team you're facing a Derby, your fierce rivals, your most fiercest rivals come to your come to your house. Um, you do need to have bite. So I get what you're saying. I completely get what you're saying. It's gonna be. We both had the similar answer. It's a defensive midfield. The defensive portion of that midfield wins or saves the game for us. Would you agree? I think so. I think so. Um, I, I'm I'm not I'm not sure whether or not I'd, I'd go with this four one four one that we have done and just say, look, we're playing on the front foot. We're not going to be doing anything different. If Birmingham City do come at us, that's fine. We'll pick them off and we'll uh, we'll, we'll catch them on the break. I'm not sure if we go with that or we say, look, if Birmingham want to play that way, we'll play that way. Um, and 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 stick out Millie Edinak. Uh, because if if we do stick out Yedinak and Bjarnason together, it might well work. Uh, the only problem is there is that uh, if Bjarnason isn't given that responsibility, maybe we don't see him shine as much. No, of course. I completely agree, Matt. I think what you said there is completely valid. What I want to know, though, is your prediction. Um, obviously, we've got a, a loyal follower recording this for us. So uh, <laughs> you have been wrong over the past year. I was close. I think I said 3-0 last yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, I won't take the win for that. It has to be... Perfectly correct, mate. That's the rule. It has to be spot on. So I'm not going to take any win for that because you're not taking any win for the other ones. I want your spot on prediction for this match. Okay. Um, We're not going through this game without conceding. Um, I'm going to go... Do you know what? I'm going to go 2-all. 2-all? That's brave. I'm going to go 2-all. I know I've been predicting Villa to win uh, for the last few games, and we we are in a we are in a run of six games. Actually, you know what? Something's fighting with me over here because I I don't think we're capable of 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 drawing a game. Actually, if I'm totally honest, I'm going to go three two. I'm going to go three. We either will go out there and and be the better team and get the most goals, or we'll we'll crumble. It's one or the other. So I'm going to change my mind. There, I'm going three two. I'm going to go for a 1-0 win, a really scrappy 1-0 win to Aston Villa. Don't think... Uh, okay. I think that, that's, the, that's the trademark of these matches. It's uh, really scrappy, but I think maybe there's a time for an update. I think you you could win with that 3-2, mate. I think that, that's completely on the cards. That's a completely acceptable answer, if you get what I mean. But yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, any final thoughts on today's issues? We briefed over, we breezed over the Sheffield United match. There wasn't a great deal to speak about, apart from that one goal. Um, Burton Albion, tricky game. Uh, Villa gave up the goals to give Burton a chance. We did win 3-2. And the second City derbies next week. Any final thoughts before we end the show? Yeah, I guess so. Um, right. I, I, th- I think like this is the most important second City derby we've had in years, isn't it? Uh and yes. I, I don't think I've ever felt so nervous about a game against Birmingham City. I think you're right about uh, the fact that this is perhaps a season season maker, a season breaker. I mean, obviously, the, the, the club can come back from, from a poor result. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's just worth saying that uh, it is going to be really, really important for us. And as much fight as we've shown over the last few games, you know, somehow managing to get that 1-0 against Sheffield United, you know, not capitulating against Burton Albion, despite the fact the referee was very much against us for a lot, of, a lot of that game, and uh, and obviously still managing to hold on despite uh, despite Burton Albion getting getting a run back. Um, so, uh, I think my final thought really is this: if we're going to succeed and and get promoted and finish second, uh, we 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 really do have to win these 
these big games. We we really do have to manage to pull out victories in games which we would otherwise be drawing or otherwise be losing. Um, and, and if we really are as good as we say we are right now, um, we need to be the bigger team in this fight against Birmingham City. I don't care if they are the underdogs. I don't care if they want it more. We really need to be the bigger boys here. So any better note to end the show on than that, mate? It's been a really good show. A pleasure having you on again. Uh, I really hope we can record after the uh, Birmingham City game with a win. Another win, the seventh in a row, a historic win against our fierce rivals under our belt. Here's the question. Do we record a podcast if we lose to Birmingham City? Of course we do every single Sunday, mate. That's the rule. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> Are you not feeling it if we lose? No, I mean, we'll have to do it and we will put out a podcast. I'm not sure how we'll make it more cheerful, but we'll think of something. But yeah, um, I, we can't be happier, mate. Cannot be happier with this Villa team right now. Maybe if we no. smashed every team 5 0, but we, we're doing our best. Yeah, we are doing our best, and you know what? If we even even if we don't get it, if we don't get the result against Birmingham City next week, they're still fighting a relegation, but we're still fighting the promotion chase, and that is the end of that. Essentially, that that is that is the way to look at it, right? Doesn't matter if we lose, monkey off our back. Sometimes winning streaks aren't great for you. Sometimes they make teams a little bit too complacent, and we yeah, have I'd... been getting more complacent every single game. <laughs> That's the funny thing. We've almost started this run uh, incredibly convincingly. And as the run's gone on, we're getting closer and closer to losing a game. That's only natural, isn't it, mate? Um, <laughs> I will say, though, don't really want to finish on a high note here. Don't want to lose against Birmingham City. However, I, however, I'd rather lose against Birmingham City than lose against a team that actually matters, like Derby County. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, you know, I don't want to, I'm not saying I want to lose. If anyone cuts that, like, Vertical slice out and says James wants Villa to lose. Absolutely not, man. I'd rather take this lot, let them have a little bit of fun. It's the only fun they're going to have this season. I, I don't want to lose against Derby, mate. If, I, you t- if you put a gun to my head and say Villa going to lose one game, Birmingham City or Derby County, mate, I take the Birmingham one every day. I don't want Derby getting more points on us. I think we need to stop covering our asses here. Nobody believes this. <laughs> But yeah, man, um, <laughs> really happy to have you on again, mate. It was a really good day of yesterday. Um, you can follow Sushi Boy over there, the sushi lover himself, at DHRaza oh, on Twitter. Can I just say, I spent 30 quid on sushi um, on Saturday. That was, I don't think I've ever spent so much on sushi, but you know those those plates, they just keep stacking up, don't they? Stacking up like Villa wins. Yeah, stacking up like Villa wins, exactly. Exactly. My record's 14. Can Aston Villa do me one better? I'll go for it, man. We'll we'll go for it, man. Um, seven wins in a row. That could be the discussion next week. Um, as usual, I'm James Russian at Jamie Russian. You can catch me on Twitter. Read all our stuff on seventy five hundred to hold at seventy five hundred to hold. Of course, follow that man at DH Riser over there. We'll catch you after the Birmingham City game next Sunday. Goodbye.